Hey everyone, this is Jonathan. Quick word about today's podcast and the end of season one of Bonafide. Today is the penultimate episode. It's my friend Andrew, and Andrew and I went to church together in Abilene as he grew up in the church that I served. Uh, Last week was Zach, who grew up in the church that I currently work at, and both are really great churches. I wanted to end um, the first season with people who deconstructed and reconstructed their faith, and also in the churches that I had worked in under my ministry. I think a lot of times people think that the reason that our young adults or anyone is deconstructing their faith is because of toxic churches, which is sometimes true. But it's also true in really healthy churches like the church in Abilene that I worked at Highland and the church that I now work at in Little Rock, Pleasant Valley. Um, the question is, what do we do with this? And so the season finale of season one Bonafide is going to be with my friend, Dr. Richard Beck, who I have referred to on almost every episode of Bonafide this season. And he's going to answer some of the questions that I've been asked through this season as parents and church leaders are listening and trying to think, well, how can we respond in a way that is helpful and healthy? So that's going to be the last episode coming next week, the last episode of the season. And now, without any further ado, here's my friend, Andrew. Welcome to Bonafide, conversations in good faith about faith with Jonathan Storman. We have a breaking news story to tell you about. A plane has just crashed into the World Trade Center. Today, we've had a national tragedy. Christian, it's under siege. Study after study shows Christianity is not the force it once was. But we are going to protect Christianity. Even before COVID, a growing number of Americans were moving away from organized religions. The group called Religious Nuns has steadily grown. Well, what's up, y'all? Welcome back to Bonafide, a podcast about good faith. Um, I am here today with my friend Andrew who I knew when you were... What, how old were you in 2010, Andrew? 14. Do you remember that like Advent series where you played that like Dickens character for that skit with the Goodwill Bell? Oh, it all man. blends together for you. That's funny. Uh, oh, wait, yeah. I, I, I don't know about Advent. I did play Ebenezer Scrooge in high school, but I'm not thinking of what you're talking about. I did a lot of... you know, No, it was at Highland. Season. Yeah, you did, man. You, mm. So I, Andrew I, I, oh, I is like... You, but. You, yeah, I remember you being like uber gifted, uh, like you were a theater major. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, I was a theater major. And then you, and then you were like in New York. Yeah, like, you know, the natural course of events. Yeah. Um, you were in New York for a hot minute doing like yeah. stuff professionally, weren't you? Yeah, trying to. Uh, I did one thing there. It was like a little short film that filmed in Rhode Island, but um, I was – you know, uh, the pandemic kind of gave me like the, the, the deadline of like getting out. Cause I was already thinking about transitioning and, you know, now I'm uh, two thirds of the way through law school, but, uh, yeah, I was in New York for a, for a short time, kind of trying to make it as an actor. I remember you being in that movie and kind of following that and just being yeah. super kind of proud from a distance, just, like, I know him. Yeah. Um, and so now you're married, you're a brand new dad. We actually rescheduled this because your your daughter was born. Um, she was. So congrats. 
Thank you. Congrats. Very proud father already. I bet. It just gets better to me, man. It just gets better. Yeah. So uh, this podcast, up until this point, I think you're like the seventh or eighth person that I have interviewed. And up until this point, it's all been people who have deconverted and would identify as kind of agnostic or atheist or um, just not really even wanting to label it. But like they're not interested in any kind of like religion as it's known. Yeah, a nun. And that's that's kind of what prompted this uh, for me years ago is, you know, these are questions of ultimate reality. Why don't people care about this? Like, if, if a great Jesus is wrong, then, you know, like, right. So that's what this podcast is. But you have a kind of unique story in that... Um, I was I was your pastor, one of your pastors for um, your your formative years, um, and I know you had a lot of influences and stuff. But one of the things that I know is that you kind of deconstructed your faith uh, in high school. Yeah. So uh, that's why I wanted to talk to you and just start telling kind of your own faith journey and, and where you're at now. Yeah. Well, I might be different than your other guests because um, I, I would say I've reconstructed. I have deconstructed and reconstructed, um, but it's been yeah. a lifelong process. So, uh, man, I could start anywhere. You know, I, I, I think I could start when I was six. And um, like you mentioned before we started recording, I've got great parents, the best you could ask for uh, in terms of being yeah. open um, and, uh, and asking questions. I, I remember asking them, I, I don't actually remember this. My mom has told me that I was six years old and I asked her, uh, you know, okay, so before Jesus died on the cross, the way people got forgiveness was they, you know, they killed animals. Okay. But after he rose from the dead, it was by believing in him that they had forgiveness. So what happened to the people who died between Friday afternoon and Sunday morning? <laughs> I remember. Ah. I asked her that when I was six. I was like, there, "There's some yeah. people in the gap here that don't, don't seem like they've got like a you know clear path here." Um, so that's a very accelerated six-year-old. <laughs> I'm already getting ready for you know when my daughter asks me that you know in a few years, uh, she's already brilliant uh, in my opinion. You know, she's three weeks old, but I consider her a genius. Um, you know, because she can turn her head from one side to the other. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, uh, you, you know, how about I just go and if I'm being too detailed, if you want to jump to something specific, you can, you can tell me unless you have specific yeah. questions you wanted to go with. No, I, I mean, what was the first like thread that you started to pull at? Was it precipitated by an event or? No, that's another thing that's kind of maybe different about me than others is that there was no, uh, event or tragedy or anything that happened to me. There wasn't. I wasn't mistreated in church. I wasn't. Um, I wasn't abused. I didn't have. I didn't really lose anyone super close to me. There was obviously um, a few young children who passed away when I was about sixteen, fifteen or sixteen. Um, and you probably know who I'm talking yeah. about. Um, sure. But it what that wasn't really so much like a like a death blow to my faith. Mine was pretty much just, I wanted to be able to answer my atheist friends at school. 
when they had questions right. and challenges to my faith. And so I just wanted to do my own research. I had no idea where to start. Um, and so the church where I was, where you were for a time, um, didn't, in my opinion, didn't have uh, a focus on those things. Didn't have a focus on those answers to those questions. And that frustrated me at the time mm -hmm. because um, I guess, I guess to, if I want to hit highlights here, there was a friend of mine in high school who got really bullied. Uh, he was very kind of like, I don't know if he was autistic, but he was very different, you know, um, kind of like a mm -hmm. communist and atheist and, and all that. Um, and he told me, you know, that I was like, he actually respected my beliefs in Christianity because I would actually talk to him rather than just laugh at him. Uh, we And so he asked me mm -hmm. about like, he, he pulled out the big guns, you know, like Canaanite genocide and, um, you know, carbon dating and stuff like that. And typically how it would go is like, I would kind of like say, I don't know the answer to that, but let me think about it and let me maybe do some research on it and then get back to you. Um, and I had already been baptized at that point. So I kind of, I really wanted to evangelize this guy. I really wanted this guy to believe in Christ. Hmm. And um, so I thought, well, I should start with mere Christianity. And I read that. And, you know, there, there were some questions that I didn't feel were totally addressed in it. Um, it's a good mm. intro book. Mere Christianity is a good read. Um, but th there were things that nagged at me. Um, so hell definitely nagged at me. You know, that that was like definitely like an issue in my yeah. mind. But I don't think it was so much like how could hell exist period it had more to do with like if if there's a hell i should be really really sure in the thing that i'm claiming so i'm if if i'm saying yeah, right. that jesus is the way and the truth and the life and the other option is hell then i need to right. be really sure in that because if i'm not then i'm just kind of saying if you disagree with my opinion you know if you disagree with this thing that right. i just kind of like i was just born in then you're going to hell well that was a problem right um so that kind of was a thread but not in the sense of being a hundred percent opposed to the concept. Um, it was, yeah. it was more that it was like, okay, if there is a hell, I need to be really sure in what I believe in. Um, yeah. you know, if I'm yeah. believing that. And so then from there, I started asking more questions and I wanted to know kind of what the objections were. And so that's always bad to start by reading the objections. If you're trying to sure. build something, yeah. Like if you're trying to build up your faith, this is my recommendation to anyone who's listening. If like you're allowing to strengthen your faith, don't start by reading objections. Cause Mm. When in life do you ever do that? When in mm. life do you say, I want to know, I want to get to know this person. Let me start by getting to know everyone who hates them. You know what I mean? You would never mm. do that. Um, uh, you know, like if, if I want to learn how to build a bridge, let me start by interviewing every bridge bomber that's ever, you know, blown <laughs> up a bridge. Um, you, that's just not the way to go about it. Now, I think it's great to read atheists and, and non-believers. Mm -hmm. it's, it's important. It's yeah. important to know why they don't believe. Um, but that was kind of how I started and not a good idea, yeah. um, in hindsight. And so I remember going to my parents about certain things. Um, I read some books by like, you know, like the Richard Dawkins and Christopher Hitchens of the world. And then, um, I got a little bit further into people like, so I don't know if you know who Richard Carrier is. Um, he, we, so we had lunch when you were at ACU 
And I think this is where his name came up because at one point you said Jesus, you didn't think that Jesus existed as a hu- historical yeah, he person. Never, yeah, right, right. That was probably a Richard Carrier thing. Yeah. yeah I remember being like, what? Yeah, That's like... <laughs> yeah, and okay, it turns out that, I, that Richard Carrier turned out to like not be the most reputable scholar out there. Um, and um, well, I listened to a podcast and he was just talking about how like, you know, the name Judas means means Jew. So it was just a made up character. I'm like, and then you realize that there's like 1800 people named Judas back then. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, sure. You know, like it's like, it sounds convincing. Right. But, um, so I, you know, I was kind of going through this and of course really wanting to believe, I really wanted to, to believe in God, but the, the I think what separated me from other people and, and I, I don't want to sound like I'm, uh, you know, bragging on myself cause I definitely didn't oh. go about this all in a great way, but I really wanted, so, so you know, people say like, you know, if so-and-so is wrong, I don't want to be right. Well, if Jesus was wrong, I did want to be right. I didn't want to be a Christian mm. if, um, if Jesus wasn't who he said he was, or, you know, didn't rise from the dead. Yeah. Or whatever. I was kind of open to like a yeah. more, like a, like a smaller Christianity where it's like the, like a, like a more, like a weaker, uh, set of claims sort of. Um, yeah, sure. But but I was like, okay, Jesus had to at least have risen from the dead. Like, if that's off the table, there's no point in being a Christian anymore. I'll just be, I'll right. just go to church and enjoy singing, and that's what I did. I mean, mm. I don't know if you realize, like, I was still going to church for a really long time because I enjoyed singing. Oh yeah, no, yeah, and I was like, I enjoyed I, the fellowship and everything. Yeah, none taken, by the way, none taken. <laughs> you love every part of it except the thing. Oh, no, no. In fact, <laughs> no, I, I yeah. remember telling someone, like, I really enjoy, uh, I remember you you brought up Friedrich Nietzsche one time, and I texted my friend who, you know, was into Nietzsche, and we talked about it. Um, yeah, I... Um, I'm not, I was just kidding, man. I'm yeah. not fishing for compliments. I mean, go ahead. Don't let yeah. me interrupt you, though. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, you always, I remember at that lunch, I think I said something like, um, you know, the Jews, if you go to an Orthodox Jew and they say, um, I don't believe in God. The first thing that Orthodox Jew is going to say is, are you keeping kosher? Because yeah. faith is not just an intellectual kind of thing. It's like a, a life. It's a, the way. Right. <laughs> and, means law. Yeah. And you, you struck me as somebody who was always, you know, pretty open hearted even as well as open with your your criticisms and questions <clears throat> so um anyway go ahead <clears throat> say there was there was one moment i think that was very um it was it was pivotal i'd say um it was at a retreat it was at a youth retreat that we did i was probably 17 um in fact i must have been because i was a junior in high school and uh the people involved who set this up i've talked to them i mean i talked to them about this right after so they know you know how i feel about this so this isn't anything new to them if they happen to hear it um but some of the people who organized that youth retreat had this exercise and i can't for the life of me know like what the purpose of this was but all weekend we were with a group you know like you split up into groups uh for like the breakout sessions Mm -hmm. at this retreat and you have a leader for each group, like a college student or a young married couple. And the way this, and the game was called victory. The exercise was called victory. And what you did was everyone, all, all the campers, all the high schoolers got blindfolded and you would go out into this giant field with your leader. And the, 
what they told you was your leader's going to lead you to victory. And that's the goal of the game is to stay with them and they'll lead you to victory. What I didn't know was some of the leaders were told at the beginning, you're a false leader. So you, you, you are going to like lead them the wrong way. And, and other people will get to victory, take their blindfolds off and then try to lead other people to victory. The metaphor was thinly veiled. Okay. So I was, (laughs) it sounds like an HBO max documentary of a cult of some kind. (laughs) But then again, to be fair, everything involved in church youth group kind of sounds like that, you know, People oh yeah, like I know. I, I'm, I'm with you. Like American Christians, like come in and they're like, "What is this youth group stuff?" You know. Um, <laughs> yeah. So you know, at this time, I'm already wrestling with. You know, I, I had probably read the you know corny books like the God Delusion. You know, which like even like mainstream atheists now will say that's just a super corny like popular level book. But it, like, it was like really challenging to me. Um, and I'm like. There was a lot in it for me because I was like, I really got to, this is a great exercise because if I can stick with my leader, no matter what, that kind of is almost like testing myself. Like I can stay with my faith no matter what. Hmm. So I'm like, I don't care what anyone tells me. I'm sticking with my leader this whole time. And my leader kind of, they do the thing where they would kind of leave the group and come back. And then people started dropping off from our group, the blindfolded people kind of like go off with someone else. And then there's you got all, all these people in the field kind of yelling, come this way, come this way. And in my mind, it's like, ah, those are the people that are trying to lead me astray. And this represents, and mm. this is all very metaphorical and meaningful to me. Like these are trying to lead me away. So I got to stay with my person. And he, and the, our, I, I don't even remember who our leader was. He, he said, stay right here. I will come back for you. Just wait right there. And I was like, this is perfect. It's like Jesus telling y'all come back again. You, should, you guys are going to mm-hmm. you know, be without me. So I'm sitting there. I'm the last person in my group. Everyone is around, like all these people are around me. Like Andrew, Andrew, your your leader's not on the right team. You got we're gonna lead you to victory. It's this way. I'm like, no, they're all lying. <laughs> I'm like huddled down here, like ah, you know, uh, you know, on the ground in this field somewhere in, in the middle of nowhere in Texas, you know. And I'm like having like a no one knows that I'm having a mental breakdown right now, <laughs> or like a, you know, like a faith <laughs> crisis. They're all like, it's time to eat pizza in the other room. And they're trying to get this game over with because I had been way too stubborn. So I, they were like, some, someone convinced me that it was time to go. And I was like, okay, finally, I'm going to be the last person I'm going to walk in and they're going to say like, well done, my good and faithful servant or something like that. (laughs) They were all doing something else. The whole thing was over and I was eating pizza. Yeah. Eating pizza. Yeah. And so I spoke with some people the the next morning who had organized the event and they were just like, I I told them how it, it hit me. I was like, so what I get from this is there's no way to know if the faith I was brought up in mm. is the real one or maybe, maybe, um, you know, the Mormon religion is the true religion. And I wasn't, I just didn't happen to be born into that one. So what's the, what's the mm. lesson I'm supposed to take away from this? And they were like appalled. They're like, I did not mean for this to come away that way, uh, to come off that way. And so they're like, we know, got this from the internet, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, and, and you know, um, these, these, these things happened there. It was, it was, um, sure. it was done as a, as a fun thing, but it was, it was all about where yeah. I was at at the time. Um, and so by that, yeah, sure. That by that winter, um, my mom will know the date because it really hit her. I told my parents, I was like, I don't believe in God. And I remember it was, it was actually, 
it was several months before that, that I realized I was standing in my backyard and I was, I looked out and I was like, I don't think I believe in God anymore. I think I just don't. Mm. Uh, I had been on the precipice of that for a while. Um, yeah. and so then the, the logical thing next for was for me to graduate and go to Abilene Christian. And so, uh, I don't know if sure. I'm supposed to say yeah. the names of things, but, um, yeah. So I went, I went to a Christian school after that. Um, loved it. You know, I was loving every second of it, but at the yeah. time, like I was telling people, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not a believer. So that, that was, that was kind of the deconstruction phase for me. Hey, so you, you're, you're wrestling with the ideas that, you know, the people that, you know, you're wrestling with Dawkins and Hitchens. And, and as you said, there's, there's a lot better atheist and better reasons to be atheist out there than those kind of popular level ones. Um, but the, the kind of experimental thing that you, it felt like your anchor got removed, right? Like yeah, when you, always, when you had that game. Yeah. I mean, I remember thinking like as a, as a kid, I was like, I have enough as a, as a, you know, where I was at 12 or something. I was like, I have enough. I know enough about the Bible to know that I can trust it. I feel like, but I remember thinking like, as I get older, I'm going to need to know a little bit more. Like I'm going to need to know, like, why exactly do we believe this book? Like because there are other books yeah. that say that they're divine, divinely inspired. But like, why this yeah, one? Yeah, that's right. And I was always waiting, kind of like, so why? I mean, why this one? Um, and I, I think that that is something that um, the ch- the church that I was at, that you were at, we just didn't really do. There there was no real answer. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there were people there who probably could have given me good answers, but it wasn't something that was emphasized. I was always like, there are these big questions, and I have grown up in this church, and I've never been given like, Hey, do you want to know why you should believe? Like what reason there is to be a Christian? Here it is. I was, it was always, it was always more like, here's how you can be a good witness to other people. Here's how you should live. And this is how you can be like Jesus. I was like, that's great. Mm. But why should I, I mean, I don't know if you guys have read this Bible, but there's a bunch of stuff in it. That's kind of (laughs) insane. You know, he like apparently rose from the dead. Yeah, sure. Things like that. (laughs) I'm great with. And I remember asking people like, uh, like what can you, someone explain the incarnation? Cause like, what does that mean? What does it mean that God was in flesh? That just seems like a contradiction. How does that even work? Hmm. And, you know, someone told me, um, uh, and there's some wisdom in this, I think, but it was an incomplete answer. Really? Like he said, um, I mean, Andrew, look, I struggle enough with love your neighbor as yourself. So when I figure that out, then I'll try to answer these, all these other questions. And I know where yeah, he's coming sure. from. And I, I really do. I, I sympathize with that position. The, the, the point is like, the, no matter how much we can figure out in our heads, if we're not trying to be like Jesus, you know, in our lives, then we got a bigger problem. Yeah. And, and, to, and to that extent, I agree. But I was like, <laughs> I don't think you understand. I don't know why I should even be here. Like I could go outside of right. this church and there are people who act really great. There are people who are very moral upstanding citizens who have who don't go to church mm-hmm. who don't believe in this yeah i'm really trying to get at why i should believe this um and that was just something that i felt like wasn't discussed much um so it really was an you know, issue for me one of the one of the things that i i wanted to ask you on here for is um i feel like in almost all my conversations this is this tends to be a, a more white male phenomenon but not just that, it also tends to be like people who are in their head a lot. And Churches of Christ produce a lot of people who are in their head, right? Like 
we it, it's part of our tradition. But the reason I I was interested in you is one because I, I knew you and I, I walked with you just a little bit in your your story. But you know, Highland is like a really great church. It's a church that other people look to, other churches look to. Uh, you know, you've got the best thinkers in our fellowship in a lot of ways or at that church. And, um, I'm raising five kids. And I also like, I saw when I was at Highland, a lot of people losing their faith. And I want, I wanted, I'm part of the last 10 years have been me or 12 years have really been me just trying to understand like what, as somebody raising five kids, what would, because inherited faith is on the decline in everywhere, all over. Uh, Christianity is is blowing and going in the globe, but inherited faith is on the decline. So what what would have been able to been of substance to pass on to you? Like, what does a catechism look like for Andrew That's when you're 14 question. years old? Let me just start by saying I'm really glad you're asking because uh, I I look at my daughter now, you know, and it changes my perspective a lot. It can help me see how it affected my parents whenever I told them I was, I had, I'm like, Hey, I'm not deconstructing. I'm actually, there's just rubble, you know? Um, and it's funny cause as, as I've reconstructed, I've wound up in a, in a different faith tradition. Um, I, the church that my wife and I are at is a particular Baptist, uh, denomination. And so, um, all right. So, that to answer your, I'll answer your question by just stating. So you, said, you truly you have lost your faith. Just kidding. I'm just. I'm yeah, that's just right. Doing yeah, that's Church a good, of Christ aid. Yeah, <laughs> as far as far as a lot of the old school COCers go, like I, like you, you didn't reconstruct anything. Um, that, yeah, that's, that's, that's all right. good. I love I love the bars. Should have stayed in atheism. Yeah, <laughs> would have been better. Um, yeah. Uh, you, you said you know what does a good catechism look like? Well, it looks like a catechism. I mean, and I'm not saying that you have to have a written out catechism. I'm saying, let's have something. Let's have something where you say, what is God? I mean, how many people who come out of, um, I might've missed it. Are we saying the name of the church? I'll just say out, out of the church um, where I was. How many of the kids on senior Sunday could say, just what is God? Like when you say the word God, what does that mean? I don't know. I don't know how many could. Now, a lot of them have probably grown a lot because they went to Houston and helped homeless people and sang in a um, shelter for uh, poor um, inner city, mentally disabled adults. Those are super great experiences to have. Yeah. But, but, the, the, but like, as, as you'll see from people like Anthony Magnabosco outside who make a big point of this, atheist groups can go do that too. And, um, and, and, and that's not to downplay it. I mean, because I, I would say that they're, they're doing God's work without realizing it in, in some ways. Um, but there, there's, I'm not saying that kids aren't leaving Highland with, with, with anything. They're leaving it Highland with a lot. Um, there, I've already said the name. but um, uh, I did too. But, I said it already. Yeah, it's a great okay, church. So, I'm a yeah, big fan. Yeah. Uh, but, but, but let's talk about like at least some point between kindergarten and 12th grade. Let's have a class where we say, hey, why do we believe this? Why should you believe this? Mm -hmm. What do we believe? And I understand that um, yeah. Highland doesn't want to be, you know, the the denominational sectarian Church of Christ that it that it mm -hmm. um, you know kind of came out of. That's that's great and that's fine. Um, 
But let's pick something. I mean, there there are churches here who will do like the catechism that Tim Keller came up with. Um, that's not an old catechism. That's something though. Um, let's let's. Um, I, I think the answer is let's get to a place where I, I'd say there's two main pillars there. Um, it would have been better if there's if I could think of three because it's always a clean number, but I can think of two. Um, one is let's teach kids to be able to articulate what we believe. Um, let's see at least a very, very minimal understanding of what the Trinity is. Um, and there's good resources on that. Um, what is a very basic summary of Christ's life and death and resurrection? And the, you know, and what, and, and the apostles after that, what, what's, you know, what is, um, what is faith? What does faith look like? What does the life of a Christian look like? And, and now you're getting into things that are more practical and the things that, that Highland really does focus on and a lot of churches do focus on. Um, but that's the what, and the, uh, and the other pillar I would say is the why, and it doesn't have to be grand. It doesn't have to be like, you know, William Lane Craig's magnum opus apologetics. It just needs to be like, what is God? And I, I actually think if you're a kid and your parents tell you that God is, that God exists, that's enough good. That's a good enough reason for you to believe that, but it's not as good. It's not good enough yeah. when you're 14 anymore. You need something more. So yeah. just, let's just walk through like, like, you know, a friend of mine who got my ball rolling of reconstructing, uh, was like, what are, what were the five proofs that Thomas Aquinas wrote down 800 years ago? What, what mm. were those? Mm. I mean, just, just, and it doesn't have to be airtight. It doesn't have to be, you, it doesn't have to be able to answer every possible objection on, on the face of the planet. It just needs to be, what, what are the basics? Like, why should we believe there's a God? And then, you know, why should we um, be interested in the Bible specifically? And why should we believe that the claims that Jesus made? I think if you cover those, then that gets the ball rolling for them to ask other things. Cause then they'll say, okay, now I want, now I have, now I do have questions about the incarnation. Now I do have questions about the, um, the conquest and, and judges and stuff. So, or Joshua. And, and so, and then, then you go from there, but then, but the difference there is they have, they actually have some positive reason to believe this, you know, as, as a ground level. And then they go from there. And, and I'm not saying sacrifice the, um, experiential thing that you're doing. Um, but this is the, this is the newly reformed side of me coming out. The church is the place where you hear the word and and the word of God, the scripture really is the foundation. Um, and I don't want to meet me. It's kind of, that can kind of be an empty phrase to some people, but what I mean is like, I read about, I, I always try to notice when I read the epistles, what all the parts where, Paul and Peter are talking about their experience of meeting the people. And you read this in Acts too. Um, What did they do? What did they go? What did they say when they met these people and created these churches in, you know, modern day Turkey and stuff like that? They were saying we were witnesses. We had, we had an eyewitness contact with someone who preached us, preached this to us. And that's what happened. And that was the basis. And then you, th- then you keep reading and he's like, all right, so now here's how you should live and here's how you should honor one another and here's how you should show deference to one another and here's how you should uh, build each other up and encourage each other. And so if, if kids only hear build each other up and encur- you know, outdo one another in showing honor or owe one another nothing except to love one another, they'll be like, the Bible is a really great 
set of moral platitudes. But then you miss the thing that Peter says, we were not following cleverly disguised, cleverly devised myths. We saw him. We saw a man shining like the sun on a mountain. And then he said he was going to die and rise. And then he did. And so I feel like if that, if that needs to be at the center at some point. So, okay. I love all this. First off, you are getting preachy. This is good. Like, yeah, sorry about that. But to, <laughs> no, it's good, man. I, 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 it's a little bit of a change of pace for the podcast, but I am grateful for it. One of the things that I think happens in in churches with catechism is we tend to not make the main things the main things. So, like one of my one of my friends uh, jokingly call him the acapella atheist because he is passionate about not instrumental worship, <laughs> but he doesn't believe in God, and in huh. in some ways. I I think a tradition tends to pass on what it really thinks is the main thing, um, and one of the one of the things that I would I would caution. So, like uh, this is a common theme in in some of the other conversations is like the Bible being the foundation. Once people get into text criticism and stuff like that, they're like, well, you know, there's there's all these different variations, and um, try this on as a thought experiment. Let me finish my thought, and then I want to try a thought experiment on you. So, I think Jesus is the foundation, and the Bible bears witness to him. He is the Word of God, and everything that gives the Bible any kind of authority about ultimate reality is bearing witness to Jesus or their encounters with Jesus and their life with him. So, I think I think people can do... You can pass on a kind of American fundamentalist Christianity that is not going to stand up to you know uh, life or or rigorous um, examination, or you can pass on denominational boundary markers that um, you mean like the acapella atheist, for example. Yeah. But. One of the things that it seems to me that happens in the deconstruction phase, and I, I've gone through my deconstruction stuff, and I, I, I'm always, uh, I feel like we're always haunted by doubts in a secular age. So there are days I roll out of bed and I'm like, you know, there is no God. So I pray and I do contemplative stuff. And um, But... My here's my thought experiment for you, Andrew. It feels like if we pass on something thin to generations that are coming after us, then once that thread gets pulled, um, it it sets them in like a, a a negative trajectory because they haven't been introduced to the robust intellectual tradition that is in the Christian tradition, like Aquinas or Augustine, or these great desert fathers who who have thought through the big, big stuff and have, you know, answered or given great responses that we just don't ignore. And so instead, it almost sets you on a trajectory of resistance toward... Um, so, like, by the time you meet Aquinas or the desert fathers, you're almost like... Um, somebody who's been divorced and doesn't want to date again. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. I don't know how to make that a thought experiment. 
Yeah, I, it was my uh, thought experiment. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so I'll I'll grab on to something that you said there. Um, you you kind of gave this illustration of um, passing almost like you think of your faith as like a fabric and you pass it down. You know, this is like a family heirloom now. This is your faith. And, but it's got like a couple threads that have been ripped, right? And so every generation that that's next, they're going to look at that and kind of mess with it. And they're going to realize, oh, here's, here's one thread sort of. Um, and I think there's something that's important is like, whatever you, whatever you, whatever mistakes you're making um, and, and teaching uh, about your faith, you know, from the pulpit, from the Bible studies, from the devotionals, whatever it is. Um, it'll, it'll take a few, gen- like a few generations from there will take your little tiny, like thing that, that didn't seem like a big deal. And they'll draw it to its logical conclusion because that's what kids do. And that's what next generations do, you know? And so, and so if you're, <clears throat> so there was, it, here's how I see Highland in a way. It kind of came from like hellfire brimstone church of Christ people who were like, I can't do that. So let me leave that. And then leaving that kind of became the definition of, for a lot of people, what they are. Like, we are about Jesus, and we're about the restorative nature of Jesus. Restore Highland was the big thing. Restore Abilene. Restore the world. And so we're not about, you know— Way to be on brand, by the way. Just way to be on brand. I think I get paid every time I say that. Um, Just kidding. Um, Uh, and I may be making a total straw man of everyone who is like a generational Highland attendee. So, so please forgive me, but this is my perception is you've got a lot of churches like that where, you know, their grandparents might've been in that really, uh, legalistic framework. And so they want to come out of that. And, and so they make coming out of that, the definition. And then if you pass that down a few generations and it, like you said, we live in a secular age. So then you realize, well, so what are we, what, what are we even holding on to anymore? Why would we hold on to any Christianity? Or you say, yeah, I'll hold on to Christianity, but we all kind of wink and we're like, nudge, nudge. We don't really believe this. None of us believe this. It, um, and so like at that point, I, I, I was the kind of person who was like a little bit too gullible and naive. And like, I didn't have enough irony in my, in myself, you know? And so um, that kind of led to me just being like very earnest about the things. Like I would kind of get embarrassed as a kid because I would just kind of be, I, I didn't learn soon enough to kind of like that. You're not supposed to say the things that you think are cool because those things aren't cool, you know? Um, and so it kind of led to me having this attitude that was like, I don't really want to pretend like I really would. I'd rather like, Hey guys, we should all turn this church. If it's true that we don't believe this. Just going as a, you know, as another thought experiment. If we if we all are like, hey, I love religion, but I just don't think any of the claims of scripture or the claims of theology are true, then let's just turn this all into a community service organization and meet every week, and we can still sing some songs and do some contemplative stuff and serve the community. Why? Why would we, like I was like, let's just stop the pretense if that's what it is, and of course. I'm not saying that people um, in churches like that don't believe. I'm just saying, let's just take it to its logical conclusion. Um, if, you know, uh, let's just make it an atheist church. Let's make it an atheist church. That's exactly right. <laughs> well, isn't there like a church of Beyonce <laughs> out there? 
Uh, there's there's Star Wars Church. There's the Jedi Order. There's yeah. Dudism. Um, there's all kinds. I mean, like people. Yeah. Uh, have you not heard of Dudism? I, I haven't I met, heard of Dudism. Uh, it's basically based on the. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's what is the what is the movie? Oh gosh, people are going to the big hate Lebowski? me for this. Like the the dude. The Big Lebowski. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Big Lebowski. Uh-huh. Yeah, the dude lives. So uh, it's kind of a philosophy. You can Google this, but pe- all all that to say, people have religious instincts, and that's never going to go away. Yeah, it's just who we are, um, and so people, yeah. So just transition churches to being uh, a religious community around some moral guidance without without Jesus. That's what you're saying. Yeah, if, I mean, if honestly, they don't really believe it, yeah, yeah. Because I was actually like, uh, you know, and in, in in little daily readings, I was um, coming to. First uh, Corinthians fifteen, and Paul says, "If Christ is not raised, your faith is in vain." And I, and I believe that. And I was, I remember writing in my journal um, when I was probably seventeen or so. Like, I totally believe that. Like, that it it, it is a it is an either or for me. Um, and there's more nuance after that question. Um, but you got to get you got to answer that question first. Like. Do, you know, do we believe that Jesus rose from the dead? Do we believe that he is the son of God? Do we believe all the things we say that we believe when we get baptized? Do we believe that? If we do, then that has a bunch of implications and there's nuance there. If we don't, then there could still be nuance there. But like that question in a limited context is black and white. Like they're, they're really, you know. So I've said on this podcast a few times before, atheism actually has its roots in Christianity. You Absolutely. Mean, do you remember that series, Christians Make the Best Atheist, that I did at Highland? Yeah, That possibly. was me kind of working. It was, I went to Greece, had a GoPro. It was, Yes, uh, totally anyway. remember that now, yeah. Yeah, so uh, that was me working this out then in real time as I'm trying to, like, make sense of my own deconstruction and the deconstruction of these, you know, like, college students that I'm, I'm spending time with. I, so do you remember me recommending Chesterton to you? Cause you read oh, I was orthodoxy and we're kind of unimpressed. Oh, I was okay. Yeah. Let's hear it. Because, um, here's the, here's the upward slope of my trajectory. I'll, I'll, I'll say it quickly. Cause I don't want to just make this about my, um, you know, my life, but no, that's why, that's why I'm having you on. I want to like think through this on okay. the other side of deconstruction right. too. So here's the other side of deconstruction. So, um, I, uh, I'm trying to think of the order that this happened. It's a little muddy. Um, I was at Christian university, loving every minute of it. Uh, loved chapel, you know, get to sing like, you know, acapella atheist is what I was. And, um, I actually joined like an atheist group on campus and I thought that was really cool. Um, and I, so, so then I, I had a good friend uh, who I'm actually going to be in his wedding uh, in a few months, um, who I met at ACU, and uh, he found out that I didn't believe in Christianity, and he wasn't okay with that in, in, in a friendly way. I don't mean like he was hostile to me. He was like, "Hey, man, like, why don't you come? Like, are you still open to it?" And I said, "I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm still open to it. I just feel like I will never be convinced." Um, and so he told me he was going to bring his RPG of faith, which rocket propelled grenade. Um, so he was like, my, my RPG of faith is all my notes from my theology class that I took in high school. And so, um, he he ran through some of the, you know, cosmological argument, uh, 
in a pretty, pretty good way, you know, and some of the like, um, uh, you know, teleological argument, various arguments for the existence of God, and then like some arguments for uh, the reliability, the basic reliability of the gospel narrative, and got me thinking, and I got to a point where I was like, well, I'm, this didn't really make me a Christian, but what it did was it made me like, uh, I guess I'm back to the level of certainty on atheism that I had with Christianity. That I was like, I guess I'm not certain about atheism. I'm, it's a more of like an agnostic to where I'm like, I guess I could, I'm more back on the fence, you know? Um, and I realized I was like, I really liked atheism for the certainty that it gave me, you know? It was like so nice. Um, and uh, then I was, that kind of put a dent in that for me. Then... I was in John Willis's last class he ever took, or that he ever taught, which was which was a cool. Thing. Yeah, um, he's a great old, dude. Yeah, it was great. It was Old Testament, and there was a girl there, um, and she gave. This is after I had read Orthodoxy that you had me read by Chesterton. I also read Heretics, I think. Um, you shouldn't have read that. I, Heretics is like an angry blog rant from. Yeah, because it's all about like hundred years um, ago. Yeah, specific people Kipling, and I'm like, I don't Kipling. know how to. Say it. Yeah, yeah, but um, she wrote the Jungle me. Book. How can he be a heretic? Yeah, that's right. Uh, he, uh, this girl in my class, uh, heard me say something like that I didn't believe, and she was like, she didn't expect to hear that from me. I think just kind of who I was. I was like, knew everybody on campus, sort of person, because of you know my family, and she was like, could we go to the Bean together? Um, you know which normal people call the cafeteria in, in normal schools. Sure. Um, but, but this is world famous. So. This is the world famous bean. And yeah. um, I'm old enough to remember the bean sprout, um, but that's a different story. <laughs> uh, we went to the bean and she was like, hey, I have this book that I want to give you. It's by this guy named G.K. Chesterton. And I'm like, all right, all right. Uh, but it was, it was uh, The Everlasting Man. It was an everlasting book for me because I didn't. I was just wasn't. I was like, I'll read this because it's always really nice when someone gives you a book and you were like, that's nice yeah. that you thought of me. And so I started reading it and I probably read a chapter and then maybe a year later I read another chapter. And this was uh, this had to have been like 2017, and it was like probably a whole two years at least, probably two and a half years after that that I actually sat down and read the whole thing. And by the end of it, I was like. And it's that book is not even like it's not really rigorous academically. It's really just his thoughts um, mm -hmm. based on his cursory knowledge of history. But it's stuff that you can kind of verify on your own. It's like the idea is at least the parts of the book that I remember are like you can say whatever you want about Christianity and other religions, but you can't say that they're all kind of the same thing and Christianity is just another one of them. It you just right. can't claim that. And an atheist yeah. named Tom Holland would agree with that. I don't know if you've heard of his book, Dominion. Yeah, um, Dominion. Oh, I yeah. love Dominion. Unbelievable Have you read scholar. Dominion? I haven't read it, but I kind of know the gist of it. The idea is like... It's epic, man. I, I really want to. And um, so, so anyway, the idea of Everlasting Man got me thinking like, oh my gosh. Like I, I actually really need... Oh, this is the other thing. I was dating my now wife and yeah. she was like, we should do something spiritual together. Like we should read through the Bible. And I was like, okay, I've done that before. We can read through the Bible. And at this point I was like, okay, I think Christianity might be, cause I had read some other stuff too. I was like, I think Christianity might be true. Yeah, I think it might be, you know, but it was like, I read everlasting man and I realized like th there is just 
something absolutely unique and absolutely different about Jesus than anyone else. And um, everything since Christianity has basically just been Christianity plus this, you know? Um, Right. Like you said, atheism is just another variation of Christianity. Yeah. It's a variation of Protestantism in a way. Um, Sure, it is. It totally is. Um, so, uh, so like, anyway, that, at that point I was, I was basically like, okay. Um, plus I had been reading, you know, through the Bible and I was, um, also starting to go to church and I was like, I, I'm pretty sure that this is legitimately real. Um, and so Mm. at that point it was like, um, I was living in New York by myself and, um, you know, my wife and I were dating it, but we, you know, we had gone on a break you know, she had broken up with me. And so I was like, I really need to figure out my life here. Um, and so it was kind of at those series of steps. I was like, then I started really studying um, Christianity again as an adult. Um, and at this point, I was 23 or 24, um, started going through systematic theology, um, stuff like that. Like you do. Like you do. I was like working at Domino's during the pandemic and I listened to like a 10 hour systematic theology thing while I was delivering pizza. Uh, and I highly recommend, uh, doing pizza delivery. It's a great way to listen to a bunch of audiobooks. Um, huh. so yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, that, that, that's, the, that's the reconstruction side. Um, so it's funny that you brought up Chesterton because that played a big role for me. I remember reading a couple pages of that on the subway train in New York. Um, the one train and being like, I think Jesus is God. And I think he is the son of God. And I think he actually legitimately like, this is all real. Um, wow. And it, it was, yeah, it was, it was pretty, inter- it was pretty, uh, you know, but, you know, C.S. Lewis uh, reconverted to Christianity because of everlasting man. And he was also traveling. I think he was on a motorcycle bike. So wow. welcome to, you know, yeah. great minds. You know, I, you know the, Lewis, me. Yeah, that's you know. right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I, I, there's a part in, in Everlasting Man where he talks about uh, the line that's famous is uh, only a living thing can go against the stream. A dead thing cannot. Yeah. But, you know, in it, he's trying to describe the Christian church of the, of the, um, of the last 2000 years. And what he says is like people on the outside attack it for being too austere or too gaudy, too material or too spiritual, too worldly or too otherworldly, um, being celibate or having too many babies, being unfair to women, but also only women go to church. And one of the things he's trying to say is it's being attacked from all sides because there's something of substance here. And I, I found that really compelling at the time, back in like 2013 when I read it. And I had the same experience with that book that you did. Because I was, I was basically on a trajectory of making church or Jesus basically a humanist project. Yeah. Like there's not anything real here, right? So you just, you try not to like, you know, harm people um and you you big, real big on being relevant real big on um and, and in that book and this isn't you know Chesterton's not a magic writer or whatever he's a I think he's a saint but he he reintroduced me to the idea like no you're bumping into something real here and the stuff that you don't like the stuff that you 
are uncomfortable with or you wish you could like massage away or, or sand off the edges might be the very thing that God is speaking to you in your life to not to not like explain away but to submit to. Yeah. And I found I found that like really helpful for me um, in in my own kind of like reconstruction of like a robust and then, of course, from Chesterton, I went on to like, okay, if if this old dude's got something to say, then maybe Aquinas and and Augustine and other people like that. But anyway, I, I'm glad Everlasting Men had an impact on you too. Yeah, um, it's funny. Uh, like, I I I feel like I learned so much. I kind of had like a Plato's cave experience almost um, because I told someone the other day, I didn't, when I grew up, I thought that Highland church of Christ was just called church of Christ because Jesus Christ, you know, was, a, was, a, you know, I didn't know what the church of Christ was. So then you could zoom out. And I, I remember um, like when I was 23 or 24 going through this reconstruction era, you know, um, you know, uh, process, I was like, the church of Christ is a denomination. You know, it's like, I didn't know that. There, like, I, I didn't even Wait, realize. Wait, at 23? I, I had yeah. some idea of it, but it, I, I, I wasn't struck with it. Like, it didn't, I didn't, I kind of knew yeah, that, true. but I assumed that, I assumed that, like, a third of Americans are, a third of American Christians are Catholic, a third of them are Baptist, and a third are Church of Christ. I'm like, no. This thing is, like, I just didn't know, like, a lot of the history uh, of the church and things like that. And so, um you know, that's not to say that I don't uh, absolutely love my Church of Christ, you know, family and, and uh, friends and uh, acapella music. Um, uh, it's just not where I, it's not, it's not where I built my, uh, you know, reconstructed uh, project. Well, I, and I, I'm very grateful for that. I was just talking to a leader at the church I serve now about, you know, his, his son doesn't go to a Church of Christ. And I was, saying like listen as the world becomes as america not the world becomes more post-christian you're going to find a lot of places are a lot more post-denominational but what i would say and and by the way i'm glad i'm for churches if you if you are centering around jesus and all the varieties that that takes i am for you um so one of the one of the things i would say is good for anybody listening who is um in, in a Christian and is thinking about church leadership is I think what happened in churches of Christ is a microcosm of what happens in a lot of churches. And that's just, you don't make the main thing, the main thing you make your, your boundaries or what sets you against the Baptist or the Anglicans or the Catholics or whatever. Um, and, and what is the last 500 years, but that like we have, uh, you know, a lot of self-righteousness about not being Catholic uh, a lot of self-righteousness about not being Calvinist or whatever. And that's a, that's fuel to uh, a flame that leads away from this everlasting man who is, the closer you get to the center, the more compelling he is, the more like... Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'll say, that's, that's, that's almost like an opposite, not a quite opposite, but it's a similar... Um, it's a similar problem to what I did where I was like, I want to know whether Christianity is true. So let me start by studying everyone who says it's not the other, the, the mistake you're talking about is we want to build up a church. So let's define ourselves based on what we're not. And that is just, 
Because the thing is, like, if you think about it, if you do want to have some sort of, some sort of catechism or some sort of something, at least that's a you know that can can be a uh, line of division, but even that is becoming a uh, that's at least a positive statement. Like, let, let's let's define us by the sort of like you know the the well of water that, that we're all flocking to, rather than the the gate on the outside, you know, of the sheet. That's right. You know, um, bounded, boundary set versus centered set. I mean, that's yeah. the way that, uh, it's talked about in like leadership. So they're in Australia. Um, I can't remember if I've said this before, but in Australia where you have thousands of acres and lots of cattle, you can't fence it off. So what you have to do is keep a well in the yeah. center to keep the cattle like coming back to it. And that's, that's kind of the logic here. Man, Andrew, it is so good to like get to see you again and catch up. Is there anything, you know, as a as a preacher and church leaders, I, I don't know who will listen to this podcast. It's very fascinating to me, and I I think it's scratching an itch for some of the conversations we had. Is there anything you'd like to know to tell church leaders, preachers, people like me? I mean, uh, parents? Yeah, that's a good question. (sighs) I'm glad you said to make the main thing the main thing because... Like, I remember sitting there uh, many times. There, There was another time in that same youth retreat that I mentioned earlier where everyone was kind of like the lights were dimmed and we're doing one of those things where everyone's kind of praying for people. And I remember like walking like into the bathroom and just kind of like looking out the window and thinking if there was any time for me to feel God's presence and know that he was real, it'd be now, you know, and I don't feel that. And I'm not feeling the things that everyone else is feeling. Um, And it might sound dry uh, for me to say something like this, but as parents, as church leaders, as, you know, Sunday school teachers, just lay some kind of foundation to where when you're in those moments where you're like, wow, I don't really feel any of the emotions that everyone else around me feels in a worship service or something. Um, I would say lay that foundation at some age, 10, 12 or something, where kids can say, even if I don't know the answers, I know that there are answers. I know that, th- I know that there is a reason for me to grasp onto this. And you don't even have to do, you don't even have to go much further than the apostles went. You know, you can say, we were, we were eyewitnesses to his majesty. All right. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about the historicity based on eyewitness testimony. There, there's one thing right there that I think is good for, for, to to teach, to teach, you know, where you're teaching Christianity to kids. I would just say, give them something, give them some foundation to where they can rest on and say, I know that there is. You know, and, and, and the goal, I think, for kids is for them to grasp it for themselves and say, I know why I believe this. And I don't think you have to make apologetics the main thing of your church. I agree with you that Jesus, the everlasting man, needs to be the main focus of your church. And like I said earlier, I was talking about the Bible being the, the fundamental. I want to reemphasize what you said, which is, the reason that the Bible has authority for us is because of Jesus, because of how it points to Jesus. Um, and and so 
I don't think you need to make apologetics or Christian evidences or anything like that the main thing in church. But there needs to be some of that because it was important to the apostles. It was important enough for Paul to mention witnesses, you know. So I would say um, there are going to be other people who you'll probably have on who will have other absolutely essential things that I can't even think about because of my limited experience. But I'm saying at least one thing you need to have is teach kids and, you know, people, adults who walk in the door have never been to church too. Teach them that they're, hey, this is real. There is something real here that is different from just a humanist community center um, that we just get together and we tell these fairy tales to help motivate us to go do good things. There really is someone here, a person who's at the center of this, who really walked. And I would say, you know, you asked me for one little thing and I kind of went on a rant, but that's the thing. I'd say, yeah, concretize it. I would just say that's the one thing is make Jesus... The main thing, that make him real. Make sure that people know, like, this is a real thing. This is a real person. He really walked. He really rose. We really believe this. And maybe you start Maybe you start implementing in your church the Apostles' Creed. I believe in, in the resurrection of the dead. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And you just say those things. You're like, hey, everyone else around me believes this, you know. Um, and and um, I think that's essential. Yeah, I love it. I love it. That's very helpful, man. I, I appreciate you taking time to do this, Andrew, and I am grateful to uh, our lives cross paths with each other, and I think you're going to be a killer lawyer, and you're already a great dad. So, Thank you, Jonathan. Thanks for, thanks for doing this, man. Thanks for listening to Bonafide. If you like what you've heard, please share with your friends and review on whatever platform you get your podcasts.